John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Last week we began a series of messages that will end up being seven in total uh, unless Jesus returns for us and that'd be okay with me. So how about for you? Yeah, so if we don't make it, that'll be all right. But otherwise, <laughs> the plan is for us to, to uh, spend uh, seven weeks together, including last week, uh, dealing with uh, the, su the title of this message is Jesus in quotes. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But what we're dealing with are the seven um, miracles that John, the gospel writer, shares with us in his Gospel. Now, the, um, the Holy Spirit obviously was guiding him in the uh, transmission of what we have as the Gospel of John in the Bible, but he uh, selected, the Holy Spirit selected seven out of all of the miracles that Jesus performed to be included in this Gospel on purpose. This Gospel is built around two sevens. Seven I am statements where Jesus said, I am the bread of life, I'm the resurrection and the life, I'm the, the good shepherd, all of those uh, things. And, and that is in itself a worthy study, but it's also built around seven miracles. We're doing that right now, looking at those seven miracles. Now back to why we've titled this message, Jesus in quotes. Because the very first verse in this book, in the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 of that same chapter makes it crystal clear John is talking about Jesus, that Jesus was the Word of God. Jesus, the Son of God, was communicating on behalf of God the Father to us, not only by what he said, but by who he was and his presence in the world. That's why it says he was the word, not just spoke the word. He was. He himself is God speaking to us. And God is saying a lot to us in the person of Jesus. We talked last week about how, you know, it's, it's as though for eternity we're going to be unpacking all that God has said to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And I believe that these seven miracles that John chose to share with us in his gospel uh, reveal something of what God is wanting to say to us through his son. Jesus was doing something when he was uh, performing these miracles, but in the doing, he was also speaking. Does that make sense? And so that's what we're after. Last week we talked about the the miracle of turning water into wine. And this week, we're going to read beginning at verse uh, 46 of chapter 4, a story about a royal um, official's son being healed. 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee. Galilee is the northern part of Israel. Judea, or Judah, is in the southern part. And Cana is where Jesus turned the water in the, into wine, and that is in the uh, northern part, in Galilee. 
So Jesus has come back there because between what we talked about last week when Jesus performed that miracle, he had gone to the southern part of Israel, to Judea. And now he's returned and he's back in Cana in the Galilee region where his home was, where he had made the water to wine, it says. And there was a certain nobleman. And we don't know exactly what his nobility was about, but he was considered a royal official. He would have been someone who was highly esteemed, someone who was wealthy, someone who had um, education. He was someone everybody would have known. And it says that this certain nobleman, verse 46, had a son who was sick at Capernaum. This nobleman was from a city about 15 miles from Cana called Capernaum, and his son is sick. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he, the son, was at the point of death. So this man is so, this royal man, this nobleman, this, this official, is so desperate to get help for his dying son that he travels 15 miles to find a guy that is reported to be able to work miracles. He's looking Jesus up to see if there's anything he can do for his son. Now, 15 miles doesn't sound like a lot to us. I drove that far to get here this morning from my house in Vallejo. But when you're on foot, that's about a five-hour journey. He has traveled all that way in the hopes that maybe... This guy, Jesus, can do something for his dying son. Verse 48. Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, it kind of sounds, when, a, when you read from the New King James Version, like he's a, you know, making an accusation. When you, unless you people see signs and... But that word people is in my Bible here in italics because the translators add it to give... Um, give us some additional information uh, about uh, so that we can understand it better and this way it, it's designed to help us understand who Jesus is speaking to but it's not an accusation he's not upbraiding these people he's just simply making a statement of fact unless you see something you have trouble believing that's true for a lot of us isn't it a lot of us are from the show me state you know <laughs> show me and I'll believe well, God knows that. Jesus makes this claim. He says, look, I, know, I get it. Unless you see something, you have trouble believing. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. In other words, come with me and do something. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. Can you imagine? I mean, you know he's, he's got in his mind... Uh, how this is supposed to go. All of us, when we pray, we come to God with our desperate needs, we tend to have a picture that we paint in our mind of what's going to happen. Certainly, this guy had the same thing in it. We can tell because he's, he says, come down with me. So he already has it in his mind that Jesus will, if he's going to agree to this, he'll go with him back to Capernaum. And then who knows what? Maybe wave his hands over the boy or speak some sort of uh, incantation over him or something. But he's got some kind of plan in his head about what this is going to look like if Jesus helps him. But Jesus doesn't do any of that. He just says, go on home. Your son's okay. Okay. The amazing thing is he turns around and heads for home. 
So the man believed, it said, the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Notice this. The man trusted what Jesus said. And so he went on home. And it tells us he believed. All right, now, <clears throat> verse 51. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. So before he even gets home, he's met by his servants, and the servant says to him, your son is okay. Everything is turned around. He lives. Then he inquired, verse 52, of them the hour when he, the son, got better. And they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son lives. So he puts two and two together and he, he realizes that it was at the exact moment that Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. And he put his faith in what Jesus had said that the son was healed 15 miles away. Last part of verse 53, and he himself believed. And that's interesting to me because we've already seen that word used of him. It says that he believed in the word that Jesus said. He's already expressed belief. Now, as he's hearing about the miracle unfolding, it says he believes again and his household. And then verse 54, this again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. And today I, I want to talk to you about faith. I believe that this miracle is recorded for us in the Gospel of John to teach us something about faith. So we will hear from what Jesus does, God speaking to us something about faith. And faith is pretty important. In Hebrews it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. That means you and I can't have a relationship with God without faith. We cannot have a relationship with an unseen God apart from faith. So it's important for us to kind of get an idea of what faith is, and it's a little hard for some of us to, to uh, comprehend or to explain, explain. Me too. But it's so important, we better figure it out. And so God is speaking to us about faith through this miracle that Jesus performs. There are three types of faith that I think, I think is evid are evidenced in this unfolding miracle. And understanding the differences between the three will help us immensely, I believe, to get a better understanding about how we are to respond to God in faith. The first kind of faith that we encounter is just the fact that the guy comes from Capernaum to Canaan and, uh, and entreats Jesus to help him. Okay? Why bother? Why travel the distance? Why uh, humble himself in a way, this royal official to come to this nobody, itinerant preacher guy and ask for his help unless there's some kind of faith. Now, I think a way to describe that kind of faith is this. It is the what have I got to lose kind of faith. What have I got to lose? And all of us Understand this. All of us know what that's like. You have some sort of uh, drama, some sort of thing that happens in your life that's beyond you and beyond your control, and you wonder, I, 
maybe God could help me. Some of us have dismissed that and thought, well, no, I'm just on my own in this. Others have turned that into prayer. But all of us kind of know what that moment is when we could exercise this kind of faith that, well, why not? What have I got to lose? In fact, that's really the starting point of faith, period. All of us have come to God by way of the, well, what have I got to lose? I'm, I'm desperate for something. You know, that person who sits in the cubicle next to me at work, they've been talking about how their life is being changed by, by God. They started to go to church. Well, what have I got to lose? Maybe I'll go with them and try it out. What have I got to lose? There's nothing wrong with that kind of faith, but it's just a starting point. It's not sufficient for the long haul. Another kind of faith, well, let me just say this first, that that kind of faith is based on what God might do, okay? What have I got to lose faith is based on what God might do. Another kind of faith we see in this story is what I call what an amazing God we have faith. This is at the end of the story when he puts two and two together and realizes that when Jesus had said, go your way, your son lives, that at the very same moment, 15 miles away, his son's medical condition was turned around and he was healed. That is a cause for great rejoicing. What an amazing God we have and that kind of faith is easy. <laughs> when God has done his miraculous, powerful things, man, it's like you could... Yes, I believe. Of course I believe. It's powerful. It's wonderful. It's great. And we, it's based on what God has done. What have I got to lose faith is based on what God might do. What an amazing God we have kind of faith is based on what God has done. And don't we, all of us, don't we want to go from what have I got to lose to what an amazing God we have. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. We come to God in our desperation and we think, oh, maybe he could, if I throw up a prayer, if I put a couple of coins in the offering when it comes by, maybe I'll get God's attention. He'll do something nice for me. And boom, he will. And wow. There's a kind of faith wedged in between the two of those that's really important and a lot of us miss. There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong <laughs> with what have I got to lose? That's where we start. Certainly isn't anything wrong with what an amazing God we have. But the tricky one is the one in the middle. And that one is based on what God has said. It's the kind of faith that asks this question, what am I going to do based on what God has said. That's what confronted this royal man as he stood before Jesus and he said, go your way, your son lives. You're not going to dance around and you're not going to wave your hands and you're not going to, you know, do, speak some magic words. Or you're not even going to go with me. And you're just going to, that's it. Go your way, your son lives. That's it. 
It says he believed what he said. He believed what he said. And that bridges the gap from what have I got to lose to what an amazing God we have. That faith is pretty critical. That one right there. What am I going to do based on what he has said? Why is that important? Why is that important? It's important because the, most, most, the thing that God is most interested in with you is relationship. It's not that he doesn't care about your need. He, he, it's not that he didn't, didn't care about the nobleman's son. And it's not that he is incapable of working these wonders in your life too. But far, God is far more interested in having a relationship with you than he is in answering your prayers. That's the truth. He wants to answer your prayers, but he wants a relationship with you. That's why Jesus bled and died on a cross. He wants a relationship with you. And what am I going to do on the basis of what he said is critical to relationship? Think about this. All of you who are parents or at one time were children, which covers just about all of us, I would hope, <laughs> you can relate to this, where the kind of relationship that a parent and child should have is one where the child relates to the parent on the basis of what the parent says. There's enough trust and mutual uh, or a, a sense of security in the love that the parent has for the child. The child simply responds to what the parent says. If the relationship between the child and the parent is based on the child having to their satisfaction the reasons for the parent's demand being explained, good luck with that. You ever tried to reason with a three-year-old? doesn't go so well. There's something wrong with the relationship if when my three-year-old charges out the door toward the street and I see the car coming and I say, stop, and my child keeps going and says, why? There's something wrong in the relationship. Something unsettled, unsecure, something's not right. If the child's relationship to the parent is based on the threat of punishment... Stop, or I'm going to beat your hiney. You know, I hope that's not how you relate to your kids. I mean, if you do, you might save them from the car, but, you know, there's something else wrong. If the only way that, there's, that this relationship works is under threat, something's wrong with the relationship. If the child's relationship to the parent and responding to the parent is based on the promise of reward. Stop! I'll buy you a Lego set! <laughs> There's something wrong. The relationship's messed up. That's why faith that's based on what he said is so critical. What has he said to you that still remains unresponded to? 
That's a good question for you to ask of yourself today. Because I'll bet that you've had those times when you have found yourself coming to God with, what have I got to lose? Desperation kind of faith. I'm going to, I don't have anywhere else to turn. And I will bet most of us have had those experiences where we've seen God do an amazing, unexpected, miraculous thing and said, glory, hallelujah, what an amazing God we have. But what bridges the gap between those two and what makes relationship possible is what am I going to do about what he has said? Now, I, I know there's a little bit of a problem that people... Uh, including myself, we, we tend to think, well, but well, what has he said? I mean, I want to believe in what he said, but I, I don't know what he said. I can't hear his voice. Well, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to scold and I don't mean to be uh, insensitive. But yes, you have. Yes, you have. This is what he said to us. And, you know, if you need somewhere to start, how about the Ten Commandments? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Is there anything in your life that's gotten a higher priority than God in your life? Okay, you've heard something God has said you could respond to, right? How about number two, don't make for yourself a carved image. Is there ways in which you have been shaping your image of God after what you think he ought to look like and sound like and do? Um, there's something there maybe you could respond to. How about number three? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Should I go on? There's stuff here. There's stuff here that God has said to us that I get to choose to believe or not. I want a relationship with God. I want to be I want to be living my life because he said so. Because he said so. Now I remember several years ago, as clearly as anything I remember in my life, sitting in the, um, the emergency uh, surgical waiting room at Kaiser in Vallejo. And uh, they, were, they had my wife on the surgical table and, and uh, they were removing a massive... Uh, hemorrhaged tumor that um, was of a cancer that they told me uh, would take her life. That there was uh, less than 10% chance that anybody who's uh, diagnosed with this cancer would live more than a few months. And so I don't know that I'm going to see her again in this, in this world. And I'm anxious and fearful and I am angry at God and, you know, a whole host of emotions and thoughts are buzzing in my head. I'm all alone in this room. And I hear the Lord. Trust me. You mean you're not going to jump up and down and wave your hands and shout some sort of incantation? It's just that, that's it. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Will you believe what I say? Now I 
chose to trust him that day. And it wouldn't be for a few years later and two more surgeries <laughs> where I was in another surgical waiting room and the, surger, uh, the surgeon came and got me and said to me, Randy, I know you have people praying for your wife. Tell them to keep it up because I can't find cancer anywhere in her body. <laughs> yeah, I did a little happy dance right there. And I, I celebrated what an amazing God we have, faith, right? In fact, I got on the phone with my daughter and I was so, I was trying to tell her <laughs> this, that, you know, and I was so emotional. She thought I was trying to tell her her mom had died. That's how, how emotional I was. But yeah, that's, um, what an amazing God we have, faith is easy. It's the one in the middle. That's the tough one, but the one that makes the other possible. This is recording number 11248 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, February 26, 2017. This is the second message in a series titled, Jesus. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Three Types of Faith. 